Well, small moves on low trade, particularly in the US where there's been no trade on shares, for example, for President's Day. Everything everywhere has seen glacial movements, so much so I'm calling it second decimal point day. Never mind President's Day. That's how small the moves are on a quiet day. But you know us. There's always something to talk about, hopefully. It's Tuesday, the 20th of February, 2024. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, a marginal move up in the US dollar. We're talking a percentage increase only at the second decimal place. Uh, the same applies for pretty much all the other major currencies. So we're not wasting any time on all of that. Uh, bond yields hardly budged as well. Aussie 10 years did fall two basis points yesterday, down to 4.17%. That's more than most, actually. Then up four basis points on futures overnight. US shares went trading, of course, for President's Day in Europe. A very small fall in the Euro stocks 50. We are again back in the second decimal place in percentage terms. A quarter percent rise in the FTSE 100, though, the CSI 300 yesterday at 1.2%, even though the Hang Seng fell 1.1%, and oil pulled a bit in each direction. WTI is up 0.3%. Brent is down by, guess how much in percentage terms? Uh, you know, who cares? But we are going back to that second decimal place. So that's it. Uh, let's talk about all of that, the fact that there's not a lot of movement uh, with uh, Ken Compton from NAB in Sydney. So uh, maybe we should start in New Zealand, Ken. I mean, the PSI because this is just about the only bit of hard data we had, really, isn't it? The, the, the performance of services index back up over 50, actually 52.1 from 48.8 last time. This is the highest since May last year and only the third time since May when it's actually been over 50. So that is good, isn't it? Provided it doesn't, you know, nudge inflation a bit higher. Yeah, it's probably one of the few, um, you know, sort of brighter spots out there that you could possibly tease out of New Zealand data at the moment. I know, um, you know, there's been a, a, a fevered discussion in New Zealand over the past week or so with one of the banks over there, you know, calling for for, for more, um, more more ABNZ um, tightening. Um, but um, as you said, yeah, that, that PSI jumping jumping above 50, um, you know, PMIs late last week, a little bit stronger as well. But if you take any other... Um, any other piece of you know, sort of New Zealand um, hard data, or even a lot of the survey data, it's, it's an incredibly, um, an incredibly weak picture. You know, like our BNZ colleagues over there, just citing even basic things like um, you know concrete production being down for um, you know for eight successive quarters. I think it was um, you know so it's sort of physical construction activity very slow, you know housing activity very slow. Um, you know they're revising down their their CPI forecasts if anything. So I think some of the bounce in that survey data is probably being attributed to the to the change of government late last year and just seeing a bit of stuff flow through from there. But even if you take the um, that, that PSI number as a, a sort of a, 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 a firm... Um, a- Sort of a, f- a firm guide to activity. You're still not talking anything that's going to lift New Zealand out of the out of the doldrums we're in at the moment, and probably not not something that um, that we'd argue necessitates any further any further tightening. Yeah, it's uh, a curious environment to talk about tightening, doesn't it? Really? Yeah. And I mean, having said that, you know, my, our BNZ has pushed back their expectations for the first cut from the RBNZ, you know, a, a little bit. They pushed that back. Um, to um, November, haven't they? Yeah. But um, mm. but still. Yeah, that's just definitely not calling for any time in the meantime, and that's sort of really more of a, a judgment in part on where we think sort of the the RBNZ and Governor Orr's reaction function is more necessarily than than any change in the underlying data over there. So China, of course, back open after their week long Lunar New Year holiday, and uh, yeah, so the early indicators are this is a bit like COVID days. Remember when we we're looking for you know the most immediate data we could get. Uh, like, for example, you know, train travel or air travel and all that sort of stuff. But I mean, so let's 
go back to those days. And these are those signs, it seems, for that week looking fairly positive. Yeah, we saw um, yeah, sort of markets reopen there with with a bit of a bit of a positive tone yesterday. Um, you know, they said some of that sort of short term data. The number of rail trips was the highest in six years, so even up thirty four percent from um, yeah, from from twenty nineteen. So presumably, a bit of evidence that the um, that the Chinese travel market is doing the same um, yeah, sort of post um, post lockdown rebound that you've seen in in, in the West, but. Um, did see alongside that that um, sort of the per spending um, data was a little soft. So a few, a few mixed things in there. And we keep on talking about the Japanese slowdown, but you know here's a positive sign with the machinery orders. I know it's just one read, uh, but it rose more than expected in December, up two point seven percent month on month. If we look at uh, year on year, uh, it's now down just zero point seven percent. It was down minus five percent year on year in November. So you know it's one indicator, but it's a positive indicator. So I mean, could they get through this whole thing without? lifting rates at all? Well, it's beginning to look like it. I mean, certainly the policymakers over there are making varying degrees of noise about the likelihood of rates going up. I'd, I'd say it's certainly still, obviously, there's certainly still an aspirational goal there to, to move away from negative policy, at least. I mean, even aside from whether you need to actually um, tighten policy, there's certainly a growing body of evidence or thought among central banks that did go into negative policy rates that it probably really wasn't that helpful at all. So, you know, maybe there's two separate issues to, to tease apart there in the longer run is simply getting away from negative, a good idea, and then um, beyond that, you know, sort of what's the degree of restriction into into positive territories? Probably a couple of different questions there to be answered over time. Now, it's been such a quiet day. We'll even look at Sweden. Uh, if only because it's another <laughs> indicator that inflation isn't beaten. Month on month uh, in their CPI, prices fell 0.1% in January, but that means year on year, the rate has moved from 4.4% to 5.4%, so more than expected. Uh, and even though you know, we saw a fall, the fall wasn't, so it's all base effects, isn't it, obviously? But the fall in January wasn't as much to compensate for that. So, uh, so we see inflation rising. Another example, isn't it, that it's not a straight line down, basically. Yeah, and obviously, you know, we've seen a, a steady series of um, sort of s- moderate inflation pressures coming through in US price data. That's been getting the headlines, but but across a, you know, a broad array of countries, including this this Swedish data, there is a bit out there which is um, which which is certainly showing that the the tempo of inflation slowdown last year can't necessarily be extrapolated in a straight line. I then I do I do. I mean, I do note as well in there that um, sort of some of their core measures, you know, sort of excluding energy, that was closer to um, closer to expectations and did, and did drop a bit month on month. So there's presumably some level of um, core versus headline um, disparity going on there. But I think that the broader point you've you've, you've raised is is true. Yeah, and I wonder in the UK as well because Andrew Bailey's talking this evening um, after those strong retail numbers that we saw in the UK, and uh, you know, it's not been talked about a great deal, but they've got the increase in minimum wage coming up at the beginning of April a 10% increase in minimum wage. So what that does to, you know, does that flow through to services, uh, prices in the service sector? You'd sort of kind of assume, wouldn't you? So there's potential for an upward tilt uh, as a result of, of all of that. But look, early tomorrow, uh, well, we've had producer prices before we look at early tomorrow. But Well, we've got inflation for Canada early tomorrow. But before that, we had producer prices in Canada uh, today, down 0.1% in January, down 2.9% year on year. That's good, isn't it? Uh, but uh, let's look ahead to CPI as well. What's expected? Um, yeah, I mean, a big... In Canada CPI tonight, there is a and sort of another drop expected in the in, in the headline year on year rate. So the consensus pick is for that to come down to three point two in January from three point four percent year on year 
in December. I think, um, I guess, maybe sort of a, a similar story to the, to the Swedish situation we were just talking about, though. Um, you know, core is expected to hold steady at 3.6. So, you know, it's a, no, no sort of clear clear trend there in the forecast. But I guess, you know, the thing we'll be to watch will be, um, you know, will be where things land around that, I guess, just as we've seen with, um, with, with the US and, and these various other, various other countries that have seen a bit of an uptick. And um, yeah, maybe even teasing apart further here, yeah, this services versus goods disinflation. I mean, we had been worried that goods disinflation um, sort of through the latter part of last year would, or early this year, would slow off and make the fall in services inflation sort of stand out a bit more. Yeah, to date, that fear hasn't been realised, but um, which, which, which is good. But yes, yeah, we're still keeping an eye on. And the RBA minutes out today as well, uh, which I mean, we, we said we feel like we've seen everything, heard everything there is to hear from the RBA. But it'll be interesting in light of what Ian Harper was uh, was saying on Friday, you know, with his comments that uh, you know, with lags, we shouldn't wait until the whites of the eyes of inflation. Bit of a strange analogy, really. If inflation has eyes, uh, but if we wait too long, it could be easily overdone. He was saying, wasn't he? So not many central bankers speaking like that. Most want to see inflation and, and poke its eyes out, don't they? So I wonder whether we'll see a bit of those that dovishness coming through in those minutes out today. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you may remember back in you know, sort of late twenty twenty, early twenty twenty one, waiting for the weights of the eyes, waiting for the whites of the eyes of inflation before they tighten policy was a, was a badge of pride amongst a, a pretty a pretty broad cohort of central bankers. I'm, I'm fairly sure you'll find a direct quote out there from Jerome Powell saying that. Um, you know, in the light of um, what um, what happened to inflation once the whites of its eyes were seen, um, they're probably less um, less stressing that analogy anymore, obviously in Harper being the exception. But I mean, even on that point about not waiting that long, I mean, that, that's certainly very consistent with what um, uh, RBA Governor Lowe, ex- sorry, RBA Governor Bullock expressed to the, um, you know, to, to, the, to the House Committee on Friday after she gave, um, as, as, she was giving, as she was giving testimony after the RBA meeting where, where she also said that did there be no, expl- sorry, I think she said at the press conference, actually, but there'd be no express need to wait until inflation was definitively back in the band before they moved. Um, yeah, and um, and that um, yeah that that, that that makes sense. Yeah, but obviously, you, you sort of given lags in monetary policy. If you argue there's lags on the way up, there's going to be lags on the way down as well. And if you're moving into an easing cycle rel- or potentially moving into an easing cycle relatively quickly after very rapid tightening, the the interplay between the lags there is going to be a, a, a sort of very complex beast. Right. Well. We are going to leave it there. Look, tomorrow, it's a bit more exciting. We've got Australia's wage price index. We've got something quite meaty to talk about, but I think we've run out of things to talk about today. So we're going to take an early march, just over 10 minutes. That's a world record for the morning call, but why the hell not? Uh, We'll catch you very soon. Thanks, Ken. Agreed, Phil. Thank you very much. And I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again tomorrow morning. See you then. Thanks for listening.